Welcome to the Crossroads Church Sermon Podcast. The following message is meant to help intersect your road with God's road. Crossroads Church gathers to discover God, grow in Him, and reach out to others. For more information, visit crossroadsstjames.life. Let's get into today's message. We often speak of how God wants us to go to Him for our every need, right? God wants you to go to Him no matter what your need is. God wants to provide for you. God wants to work in your life. Uh, It seems, though, that sometimes we get this feeling that we shouldn't bother God, though, with the minor issues. We just need to take care of it. You know, and I mean, granted, I understand, you know, the whole idea of, you know, Lord, should I be wearing these socks today? Should this, should I wear black socks with my black suit? Or should I, should I wear pantyhose or not with my skirt, Lord God? What should I, I mean, that's, that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Though if you want to go in that route, that's, that's completely up to you. I'm not going to discourage you from ever talking to the Lord. Um, but uh, today we come across a couple of stories in which we see that God is there for everything. He's there for what we might think are minor stresses in our lives, and he's also there for the big ones, for the, for the real big ones. Uh, minor things like, you know, I need, Lord, I need my car fixed. Lord, I need, you know, I, I, I need to do whatever situation is that you would consider minor, and some of them are big, uh, especially today, um, like, you know, getting rid of assassination plots. You know, that's a pretty big deal, right? Not being assassinated, that would be good. Uh, The Lord cares about all of them. So today, like I said, we'll see that no matter the size of the situation, God can work powerfully and miraculously, no matter what's going on. So the first story we see today deals with Elisha and some of his students in that prophetic school that we've talked about. You know, the sons of the prophets. You guys remember we've talked about that a couple of times. Uh, Well, this sons of the prophets school has gotten pretty big, and uh, they need a new place to stay. They're like, we we need a new shelter. We got to do something about this. And so if you have your Bibles today, open up to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6 Starting at verse 1 here, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us, excuse me, get there a log, and let us make a place uh, for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. Not too shabby of a miracle, huh? (laughs) Oh, man, I got an iron axe head thrown into the water. I really need that back. Okay, no problem. Let's make that thing float. Uh, wow, that's, that's pretty powerful. Uh, even though it's a, it's a minor kind of thing, it's still powerful to see what God does. So as these sons of the prophets build a new place to stay, one of them loses that iron accent. It says that it was borrowed in our English language, but it could be borrowed. It could also have been begged for or given to the guy as a gift. Uh, this is one of those words that is not as specific in the Hebrew. 
Hebrew language. Um, so he could have, it could have been borrowed, he could have begged for it, or it could have been given him as a, as a really precious gift. No matter what the actual translation is, though, friends, we need to understand that this is of great value to the prophet. Oh my goodness, I just lost the axe head on my axe. Uh, and God cares about what this guy is going through. Listen, friends, any stress you face in life, God wants to be there to help you, no matter how big, no matter how small. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice what it said there, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. Everything. I looked it up in the Greek, and it means everything. (laughs) Every single thing that's in your life. Give it up to the Lord and say, God, I know you can help me here. So the prophet is stressed, and he cries out to the man of God. When Elisha asked the man where it went, he simply points to the water. He's like, it's in there. It, it flew off, and, and I saw it go into the water uh, because he has no clue where it would have gone into the water. I'm sure it's kind of muddy. It's kind of murky there. Uh, and then Elisha does something interesting. What does he do? He goes to a tree, and he cuts off a branch, a, a kind of a brand-new branch. Some believe that he kind of whittled a new handle for the for the axe head, but no matter what, you, what no matter what's going on here, he he grabs a stick and he throws it into the water. And when he throws that stick into the water, that's when the iron head floats. Now there are two perspectives at work here by Elisha with this stick. One perspective is that there is nothing special about this stick. God is using the quote unquote ordinary to do something extraordinary. Uh, We don't need to be mighty in anyone else's eyes to accomplish extraordinary things for the Lord. Listen, friends, we simply just need to be faithful. I'm just going to be faithful to the Lord. I may not be anyone special. I may not be a big wig. I may not, you know, have the Bible memorized. I may not be the, the greatest person on earth. But I know if I humble myself and I lay myself before the Lord, I can still be used by God to do extraordinary things for his kingdom. Friends, it doesn't matter, again, what anybody else thinks about you, what they're going to say about you. Whatever's going on, friends, the Lord looks at you as precious And he wants to use you in extraordinary ways. And I want to encourage you guys to look at your life in that perspective. God wants to use me because I am humbling myself and am willing to be used. The other perspective is that of of newness. I don't know if that's an actual word, but uh, it's it's the idea of something new. Elisha doesn't take the old handle that the prophet had, right? He doesn't come up to him and say, hey, let me see the handle really quick, okay, and then throw it in the water. He doesn't do that. Instead, he goes over and he breaks the new branch or whatever it is, the new stick, and, and he uses that new one and he puts it into there. Some Some believe, I mean, it doesn't say it in the Word of God, some believe that when he throws it into the... into the water, the axe head floats and then connects to the stick, and he picks up an entire axe. The only problem is the Word of God doesn't actually say that. So if you want to think that, I, that's up to you. That's, that's fine. Um, but, but 
the, the, the axe had definitely floated. Whether or not it connected to that stick is another thing. But the main thing we're thinking about here is that he uses a new stick, an actual new thing, as opposed to the old handle. He did a similar thing earlier in 2 Kings when he purified the water in Jericho. Do you guys remember that story? It was a while ago um, that when we were going through our, our journey through the Bible here. He the, the water in Jericho was really bad. Like, it was so bad that when pregnant women were drinking it, it was causing them to, to miscarry their, their children when, when they were pregnant. And so he's like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to fix this. And he calls for the people to bring him a new bowl and put salt into it. And then he takes the salt, he throws it in the water, and, and the water is purified, the water is healed. But, but the whole idea of him bringing in this new bowl in order to do something new. Um, more popular is Christ saying in Mark chapter 2, verses 22, that says, and no one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine skin, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wine skins. Friends, when the Lord is making something new, he uses new things. Is the Lord about to work something new in you? Maybe you need some newness in your own life, and I'm not necessarily talking about material possessions. Maybe I need a new house. Maybe I need a new car. That's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is maybe you need a new perspective. Maybe you need a newfound energy. Something there and say, Lord, I want to see something new happen. Father, so, so work something new in me. Maybe you start reading the Bible in different parts than you would normally read and, and ask for understanding there. Maybe you start praying for bigger, larger things that, that you really want to test your faith and see what the Lord would do. Whatever it is, friends, the Lord always uses new things when he's making things new. So be prepared for the newness that comes uh, in this. So right after this smaller situation, the guy loses his axe head. It's not really a big situation for everybody else. It's, it's confined to this one person and, and that kind of thing. So we have this smaller situation in which God provides and helps out in the smaller situation. A much bigger situation is given in the next few verses. So look at verse 8 with me in chapter 6. Verse 8 starts, says this, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God God, or the, but the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. So Here's what this is saying in, in kind of plain English. The king of Syria is, is raiding Israel. He goes into Israel, but he's not just raiding Israel. What he wants to do is he wants to assassinate King Jehoram. That's, that's the king of, of Israel at this time. He wants to assassinate King Jehoram. He goes further, and he wants to take out King Jehoram and assassinate him. But the assassination attempts, uh, according to verse 10, it happened at least twice. Um, the assassination attempts are foiled, though right? And who foils them? None other but Elisha. Elisha goes to the king and says, hey, listen, don't go that way. Don't go down there because the king of Syria is planning an attack there and he's going to kill you. Don't go here. Don't go there. And so the king would listen to him. And verse 10 tells us that Elisha saved the life of the king, not once, not twice, but a couple of more times than that. Now, listen, friends, as, as you look at this, 
personally, I can't help but find God's patience towards Jehoram and every king in Israel, the northern kingdom, not so much the the southern kingdom because there were many faithful kings down there. Um, But I see the patience of God towards Jehoram and every single king of Israel quite intriguing. None of the kings of the northern kingdom did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. They never did. When, if, if you wanted to go back and just read throughout, you know, 2 Kings after the, the death of Solomon and the kingdom gets divided, um, every single king that you read about is going to be like, so-and-so became king, he reigns for so many years, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Every single king in Israel is going to do that. Every once in a blue moon, they, they kind of do some good things, but every single one of them does evil in the eyes of the Lord. All of them did evil. Not the same kind of evil for all of them, but evil nonetheless. They all did not follow the Lord. Yet God deals with them patiently, and none of them, none of them, even though God is very patient with them, none of them choose to turn their lives back to God. None of them really wake up and say, you know what? This prophet that's been sent here to show me what to do actually turns and says, man, God is, is amazing, and now I'm going to follow him. They, most of them never do that. They, actually, none of them ever do that. They, they, they occasionally do some good things, but usually they die with the fact that they're completely disobedient to God. Listen, friends, God has and will always be this way. According to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There were a lot of kings of Israel, and God could have cut each one of them off like the first day of their reign. They didn't do the things that they were supposed to do, and God could have cut each and every single one of them off, but he doesn't. He's faithful with the people, he's patient with them, and he allows them to reign, he allows them to work, and he uses these prophets. And like I said, at times, the king does some some halfway decent things, uh, but no matter what, the Lord is patient throughout that time. Friends, I don't, I'm not going to encourage you to sin, but listen, know that the Lord is patient with you. He's not waiting to strike you down dead. Now, we need to confess our sins and, 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 you know, Lord, please forgive me of those things. But know that he is patient with you and he's not waiting to just strike you down dead. He's actually waiting to give you life. He wants you to turn to him. He wants you to change your ways and follow him. So going back to our story, every thwarted assassination attempt is an opportunity for Jehoram to turn completely to the Lord, but he never does. Sure, his relationship with Elisha gets a little better from it, but the relationship with God, uh, you know, the one that counts, it doesn't get better. He never gets closer to God. Friends, we can't live life thinking that we're doing it right simply because we have relationships with religious people. That person seems really smart. That person seems to read the Bible a lot. That person seems to pray a lot. That person, I mean, don't get me wrong. You should be attracted to those people and and go after those folks and and learn from those folks and and be encouraged by those folks. But listen, you can't think to yourself, man, since I'm doing that, I'm good to go. Those relationships are important and they're good for you, but, but the most important relationship is your relationship with God. You have to have that relationship on the right track. It's all about God. We can't think that we're doing it right simply because of those relationships with religious people. The only way to get this thing right is to have a relationship with God. Listen, friends, every morning you wake up is another opportunity for you to get closer to God. 
for you to get closer to God. So the king of Syria is angry about this. And uh, he's, he's trying to assassinate King Jehoram and he gets ticked off. And what does he automatically think? There's a traitor in our midst. Someone's a mole here and someone's going to die because I want the king of, uh, of Israel dead and he's not dying. One of you guys is doing something. So look at verse 11. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me who of us is, is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent there horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. So he gets ticked off. He's like, There's... Someone in here is, is a traitor. Someone's messing this up. And he brings everybody in and says, you, you better fess up now. I'll, I'll give you a quick death probably is what he told them. I'll give you a quick death. But if not, we're, we're going to punish everybody. I'm sure he's doing something like that. But he comes in and he's like, you all better tell me who's doing this. But the servants speak up and somehow know that it is Elisha aiding the king of Israel. In fact, Elisha is so good at what he does that Elisha knows his deepest secrets. The king of Syria knows his deepest secrets that he would only speak of in the privacy of his own bedroom. Some of you understand you might not want people to know what you're saying under your breath <laughs> when you're sitting there in your bedroom and you got ticked off about something. Maybe the kids did something. Maybe, heaven forbid, the spouse did something. <laughs> Maybe your boss did something. And you can't get away from it and you have to sit in your office or you have to sit wherever you're working and, and you have to, you, you, you're stewing over it and, and you're going over that. You definitely don't want anybody to know what's being said in the privacy of that room. Guess what? Unfortunately for the king of Syria, Elisha knew everything that was going on with the king of Syria. Elisha knew exactly what was happening. So in-depth was he. He knows exactly what you're saying in your bedroom. He knows exactly what you're saying as you're ticked off at the king of Israel, as you're irritated by this whole situation. He knows everything that you're doing because the Lord is showing him. So the king of Syria can't have this. He can't have this. He's like, I gotta, I, I've got to make this happen. I've got to wipe out the king of Israel. So I tell you what. Find out where this guy is, Elisha, and let's get that guy. Now, he says, find out where he is so that I can send an army and seize him. Listen, friends, he's not going to seize him to stick him in jail. He's going to seize him to chop his head off. I'm going to kill you so that you stop doing this so that I can get to the king of Israel and I can take over your nation. So I need to go out and I need to send this army. So he finds out that Elisha is in a town called Dothan and he says, okay, get, I want the biggest army ever and I want you to go down there and I want you to surround him and, and as soon as he comes out, you get that guy. You grab him, you bring him here. I want to look at him straight in the eye. I want to give him, you know, a piece of my mind, and then I'm going to kill him, is probably what he's thinking. And so he, he does it. He sends out this army. They come down. They surround the town. It's at night. And so the next morning, everybody wakes up in Dothan, especially Elisha and a servant that he has there, and they look out, and, and his servant, he's, he's going to freak out. But here's an interesting thing. Elisha has this ability to see not just what they see with their physical eye, but what he can see with the spiritual eye. 
And we get this amazing story in verse 15. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Verse 16, he said, do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So the servant is probably like, you got like a a mouse in your pocket, like a mighty mouse? (laughs) Because it's us two, and Lord knows how many are are out there. He's going to freak out, right? You've got to be kidding me. But Elisha comes out and he says, those that are with us outnumber those that are out there. But look at what Elisha prays in verse 17. Look at what he prays. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Holy cow. (laughs) Could you imagine that? What you got there, Elisha? Well, take take another look. Take another look. Looks out there. Oh, that's what you were talking about. (laughs) My bad. A whole army greater than the number that is out there. Not only a whole army of of probably angelic beings and, and horses, but they're on fire. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Fire is a nice weapon to have if, if you can control it. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how powerful of an image that would be. Listen, friends, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. As believers in Christ, friends, when we face various situations and attacks from the enemy, that massive army is right there for you too. It is right there for you too. You might not be able to see it, but have confidence in knowing if I'm humble to the Lord, if if I'm following the Lord, every situation that rises up against me, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Instead, this is what prospers. This massive army of chariots and horses on fire. (laughs) That's what's there, friends. Whenever you're facing tough situations, tough trials. But now listen, this isn't over yet. This, is, this gets really good for those of you, especially for those of you that are Star Wars fans. Check this out, okay? Look at verse 18. Verse 18, and when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And real quick here, friends, as, as you're going to see, this isn't like blindness, blindness, like I can't see. It's, it's a blindness of I can't see what I'm supposed to see. Okay? Look at verse 19. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. What just happened there? <laughs> they surrounded the city. They come down, and Elisha says, I want to pray for blindness on these guys. They know who they're going after. They know what he looks like. But when they gets there, what happened? Well, for like I said, you Star Wars fans, this is what we would call in modern-day terms a Jedi mind trick. <laughs> 
Let me give you an example of what this is. Stevie, go ahead and play this video quick. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. three or four seasons. They're up for sale if you want them. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. You think George Lucas came up with that? Nope, it was in the Bible. <laughs> that army comes over and says, Elisha comes out to him and says, this isn't the town you need to be in. Hey guys, this isn't the town we're supposed to be in. This isn't the way you're supposed to go. Hey guys, this isn't the way we're supposed to go. Follow me, I'll, I'll take you to the guy you want to see. This guy's going to lead us to the guy we want to find. Let's go. I'm that seems to me like that's how the conversation would have went. <laughs> we, we know this is the guy, but, but what in the world? We can't see him. It's amazing how that happens. So, so you have that conversation and this little quote-unquote Jedi mind trick. It's really a God mind trick is, is more of what it is. So Elisha leads them to Samaria where King Jehoram is uh, in verse 20. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, My father, shall I strike them down? Shall I strike them down? He answered, You shall not strike them down. Would you strike down those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their, their master. Let's pause there for a second. Jehoram sees an opportunity to dispose of a large number of his enemy, right? In comes Elisha with this massive army and he gets kind of excited. The fact that he says it twice, should I strike him down? Should I strike him down? Do I get to kill them all? Is this how this works? Because this would be a, a great burden off of my shoulders to wipe these guys out because I'm sick of the assassination plots. I, I mean, it's really nice of you, Elisha, to help me out here, but I'm kind of getting sick of it. So do I get to kill him? Do I get to kill him down? Is, is that what happens? And Elisha says, no. That's, that's actually incorrect thinking, King Jehoram. No, in, in battle, it's one thing for people to die when they're out in the battlefield. It's another thing if you capture them and then you kill them. That turns into murder. War is one thing. 
taking people, collecting them, or uh, seizing them, and then killing them, that's, that's something else. God has a totally different plan here. God has a total plan, an actual plan for, for actual peace. He goes to feed them, and he lets them go. In 2 Kings 6.23 says this, So he prepared for them a great feast, and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master, and the Syrians did not come again on raids into the land of Israel. The assassination plots for Jehoram and technically Elisha are all done. The Lord had a plan for this. No, Jehoram, you don't get to kill them. What's going to happen is, is you're going to feed them. You're going to get their bellies full. You're going to make them feel well. And then they're going to go back. The king of Syria is going to realize, well, maybe the king of Israel isn't that bad of a guy because he didn't take out my army, even though he could have. And so what does he do? Ah, we're good. I don't need to keep raiding you. I guess I won't assassinate you. (laughs) The Lord had that plan. The Lord had it all set before him. Friends, listen, it doesn't matter the size of the situation. God can handle it all, and he may just surprise you as to how he may handle it. He may use something new. He may use miraculous spiritual vision, whatever it may be. The important thing to understand, though, is that we humbly submit ourselves to the Lord and say, God, here are my situations. Help me. No matter how big, no matter how small. Father, I don't think this is a big deal. Other people don't think this is a big deal. God's kind of saying, I don't care. Bring it to me. I want to be with my children. I want to talk with you. I want to have conversation with you. I want to provide to you. I want to heal you. I want to do things in your life. I want to do these things. Are you willing to submit yourself, though, to the Lord to gain that kind of power, to gain that kind of ability? And I want to encourage every one of you to do that today. So that's it. (laughs) That's all I've got for you today. Um, the Lord is good. Amen. And, um, the Lord did a lot of good things in this last year and I won't go through it all because we've got the business meeting in which we'll talk more about that. But it's amazing how we can look at a situation and think, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. And then he turns it and does the miraculous. And so, like I said, today I want to encourage each of you What do you need? What do you need from the Lord today? What situation do you need the Lord to take care of, to handle today? Whatever it is, literally, handle, like the handle in the the prophet's hand with no axe on it. Lord, I need a new axe. Lord, I, I need people to stop coming after me. Lord, help me in this situation. Show me what to do. He may surprise you at how he works, but that's kind of the fun thing about following the Lord. (laughs) Keeps you on your toes every now and then. Why don't you stand with me today? We're going to pray. Um, this is a little off subject, but I want to lift up the, uh, the Macalas today. Uh, Lane's mother passed away yesterday. And so uh, she, she had been sick for a little while, uh, but she passed away yesterday. So, so keep Lane and Jana and the kids uh, and uh, his siblings you know, in your prayers. Um, as, uh, as they go through this and, you know, go on with the process of grieving and those kinds of things, we're going to, we'll pray for them as we 
continue on in our, our normally closing prayer. Uh, but beyond that, what situations are in your life that, that, I mean, I say that you want the Lord to take, but, I mean, we just read in the scriptures. It doesn't matter. Just give it to the Lord. <laughs> the Lord wants to take them and say, okay, this is how you're going to do this situation. This is how it's going to work. Listen, the, the prophet had to grab the iron axe head. It floated up to the top, and what did he say? Grab it. Elisha had to pray the things that he prayed. So-and-so had to, to have their eyes opened up to, in order to see those kinds of things. There's actions that you need to take. The Lord will, will, will draw you to actions that you need to take. But first, give it to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? So today, I just want to, I want you to take that opportunity today. So if, I mean, kind of in a symbolic action, but, but whatever it is, just kind of, you can lift your hands up as, as, as much as you want to, but even if it's just to kind of like, as if you're giving it to someone in front of you, just, just take the situation that you have and just say, Lord, Lord, here it is. Lord, here's the situation in my life. Let's go after the Lord today. Father, I pray for each person, Lord, that's, that's spiritually giving you whatever the situation is in their lives, Lord God. Whatever they're going through, Father. Even if those on the outside think it's a small thing, Lord God, it doesn't matter. We know you want to provide. We know you want to move in, the, in these situations, Lord God. Father, I pray right now for your hand to just enter into each of these situations, Lord God. Father, if it's for provision, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you provide whatever is needed, Lord God. Maybe it's job, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a repair, maybe it's whatever it may be, Lord God. Father, if, if, it's, if it's emotional situations, maybe there's an argument, maybe there's uh, mistrust, maybe there's, uh, there's lust sitting there, maybe there's uh, addiction, Father, whatever may be going on, Lord God, I just pray, Father, that as people hand these to you, Lord God, that you move in power today, Lord God. Father, open our eyes to see the chariots and the horsemen, Lord God, that you have there to defend us, Lord. Father, Please give every person in this room the confidence that the enemy has no power over them, that you are all powerful, that you can overcome all things. As the scripture said uh, that was in the video today, we will face many troubles in this world, but fear not because you have overcome the world. No matter what's happening, Lord God, help us to each understand that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, and you can bring us through, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you give each person here vision, Lord, that spiritual vision to see what you want to do in their lives, Lord God, especially with the situation that they gave. May they understand clearly, Lord God, what they need to do, Father, and then, Lord, I pray for obedience in each person's life, Lord God. Give them the, the strength, the humility, the understanding to do the things that they need to do, Lord God. To see you work through that situation, Lord. Move in power in lives today, Lord God. Move in power today, Lord God. Father, we lift up the Maculas to you, Lord. In the situation of grieving, Lord God, and feeling the loss of a parent, Lord, I just pray that you be with Lane, Lord. Strengthen him, Father. Speak to his heart, Lord. Send your spirit to give him peace, Lord. 
as he goes through this, God, be with the rest of his family members, Lord God, be with Jana, the kids. Father, I pray, Lord, that things will go smoothly as they make plans for end-of-life ceremonies and those kinds of things, Lord God. Just pray that you be with them, Lord. For those that are sitting here, though, Lord, I just pray for your continued Holy Spirit to move in lives, God, and to speak to hearts, Lord. Thank you.